You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. I'm excited to talk about Royals baseball. We've seen some pitching, some catching. Uh, it's been interesting. <laughs> On Sports Radio 810 WHB. The Royals are off today, which means we can talk about them plenty here tonight. We'll do that now with our dear friend Alec Lewis of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Alec underscore Lewis. You can read his work covering the Kansas City Royals on TheAthletic.com. Um, and most importantly, uh, well, I mean, I just need to check first, I guess. Alec, how's your mom doing? <laughs> uh, good. I don't know if she's heard the Kevin Durant news uh, this <laughs> afternoon, but... Um... I think from a, a – I mean, I, I don't know. You could be asking from a, a cooking perspective, from a health perspective. Most avenues, I think she's, she's really good. Uh, I, I, well, I'll need, I will uh, have to check in with her after um, the Durant news and uh, see if, if that's still the case. But um, Yeah, I would like I to know what she thinks about that. I assumed that, that you know, that if she hadn't heard about it yet, she, she will hear about it plenty whenever she uh, downloads uh, the podcast tonight. Um, and you know, because at this point, I believe she's she's an every hour AES podcast listener, um, which is great because no one else is. So I'm really hoping that that's true. If that's not the case, please don't please don't break my heart. Yeah, no, I think she is for sure. And I mean, I, I do have to be honest. Like I, in terms of of just, I mean, I because of her background. I, I mean, I I feel kind of bad over the last probably two weeks. I mean, I, I I remember the last time we spoke, I was cooking something. I'm not sure if I've even cooked a meal for myself uh, in the past two weeks. I have been in, I was in Arkansas watching minor league baseball, didn't cook myself a meal in the makeshift Marriott Hotel. I was in Omaha uh, for the College World Series, um, didn't cook a meal for myself in the Sheridan Four Points north of the city. Uh, and then the Royals were in town and that, I, mean, I, 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 I uh, yeah, I was up at the stadium watching some um, sports uh, and so I haven't cooked much um, there. So, no, she, from that perspective, appetite, I don't even know really. What did you say? Lost your appetite, did you? No, I, I never when, had one to when, begin with. When the Royals uh, were in town. Right, the season started April 7th. Haven't had much of one um, <laughs> to begin with. Um, but, no, uh, yeah, no, I, I she's definitely been listening. You don't have to worry about that. Great. And, uh, I, I'm good. Yeah, I'm great. Um, I didn't ask how you were doing. I know you didn't, but I just felt, I, you know, I'm just so egotistical. I'm just, so, it's just so much about me in this world that I just felt like I needed to tell you. Yeah, I have no idea how that, I, I, I don't even know why I updated you um, from that perspective. Because I don't, because I, I, I don't feel like I've given any I indication did, that I care. I did want to know, so oh, okay. I, I'm happy to hear, even though I did ask no, you, you before don't, we went on I, the no. air. You don't care, you I, and and that's why I try to talk about Kevin Durant because I thought that would shift it to to you. So that's where I was. I really tried, but you kind of put me on the defensive out of the gate. And yeah. So now I'm trying to shift my egotistical self back around to discussing your uh, state of things. Yes. Well, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm doing great. Also, thanks for asking. So we're. You know, okay, we're good. good. Um. So is my mom. Good. You know, I don't. You didn't ask, but it would have been. You know, it would have been. <laughs> Oh man, I'm not at that level in terms of just uh, yeah. I, how did I not ask about that? Man, yeah, it's all right. Um, it's okay. I know. Uh, 
I, I'm glad you mentioned the the series of, of traveling you've done. Everything. I have a couple of questions about the current active baseball team, and then we'll you know we'll we'll get around all of that. But but what was the uh, what was the College World Series trip like? It seems it seems like, and especially this year, I don't I don't know why. Maybe I just maybe I just caught a little more of it. It seems like the atmosphere there is just a it just has to be incredible. If I'm wrong, I'm I'm sorry. No, you're not wrong at all. Uh, you're never wrong. First of all, Thank but you. no, it was a it was um, I was there for five days. Really, what happened was. The Rose were on the West Coast, and, and a couple editors were like, you want to go up there and do some feature stories on some different stuff? And I couldn't have said yes quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went up there, and uh, and it's amazing. I would tell anybody, um, I mean, who loves baseball, who, who, I mean, whether you watch colleges or not, just the atmosphere is amazing. It's, I mean, um, the stadium and its location with like the surrounding bars and, and restaurants and stuff, it's, it's just very fun. And Really, this year, to your point, like the fan bases that were there and just the magnitude of um, just, I don't know, the type of uh, fan bases that there were was was really cool. Got to meet a ton of people, hang around a lot of different types of people, and it was um, it was a, a really, like, the, the five days was, was uh, it was uh, it was great. It was it was like uh, went to Hawaii for a little bit, and then um, now I'm back. But uh, fantastic event. I would I would recommend anybody go if you get the chance. Just so uh, I'll, I'll clear this up when people say the environment was great because the teams were there. It's the SEC teams because the SEC teams are like college baseball in the SEC. Is, Some say it just means more. It is it is wild how much they love it. Like it is, it is a big deal. Ole Miss, Arkansas, yeah. they go nuts. Yeah, I, I described it to somebody as like, I mean, it's like a college. It's just like a college football atmosphere surrounding baseball. And mm. really, like the reality is, the games weren't unbelievable for the five days I was there. Like mm. very few close games. Um, but like just the, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, the stadium was really packed. The fans were very engaged. There was just a purity to all of it that um, it just really stuck out to me. And again, like Omaha, I, I think they really, really do a good job hosting that event and have built um, a really cool thing around it. So uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. It was great. Uh, I I am ready now to talk about the Major League Baseball team and in particular. Uh, one one player who recently also made that trip back from uh, from Omaha up to Kansas yeah. City. Did you guys ride yeah. together, by the way? Yeah, did you? Yeah, did you and Vinny, <laughs> you made carpool. Gas is expensive. No, no, I came back a few days earlier. Um, thought I would do that beautiful drive first, uh, oh, just check sense. it out. Well, yeah, and, when, you, um, when you came back, he wasn't ready yet, so that that makes sense. That is. That's not even fair. They tra- they uh, traded Carlos Santana. Right, right. No, it's not even right. fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. Yeah, Carlos Santana had not been traded yet, but I did go. Actually, I spent a morning over at the Storm Chasers ballpark and uh, watched Vinny and watched Jackson Kowar. and um, yeah, they they followed suit uh, on the drive after. Now this this can't possibly surprise you, but there is exactly one paragraph of the Vinny Pasquantino story that you uh, have recently published on theAthletic.com that just absolutely knocked my head off my freaking shoulders. I am doing this show right now like the character from the Adams Family. I'm holding my head under my arm because the the sentence. In sixth grade, he not only led the school play as Bilbo Baggins from The Hobbit, but he was also cast in the esteemed role of the flying monkey in The Wizard of Oz. Quote, then in high school, I was the love interest in Dracula, Pasquantino said, and I had the greatest time. I, I didn't. I, you said some, one of these quotes that he talked about theater in the past. Some point. I never I don't know. I missed it. I guess. I, I don't know. 
this is this is makes me so happy, Alec. That we have the Royals have a have a theater kid DHing and playing first base right now. How did that happen? Yeah, and, he's six, and he's six foot four, two forty five. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bilbo, he you know was what? he was bigger than Bilbo Baggins in the sixth grade. I have to imagine. And I, what's crazy is um, I remember him telling me that last year, like on the phone, and. Uh, like, I, I didn't ask him, like, do you have other hobbies? I remember asking him, like, why he loves baseball. And they, I think he was like, I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate. Just like in sixth grade, I was passionate about being Bilbo Baggins. I was like, what is even, like, what is he even talking about? Um, so like, good. Like, I'm not, anybody who knows me knows I'm not, like, some uh, uh, some expert on The Hobbit and Dracula. I mean, it's just not. But uh, Vinny Pasquantino, I mean, and I, this was really the I tried to have it in the story. I don't know if at times like there were enough examples of, of the humor and the character that he is, but just the reality is this Royals clubhouse, um, it, it just, it, I mean, even the people in there have said, like, it's a quiet clubhouse. It's just kind of, there aren't that many, like, vo- I mean, this guy is a voice. This guy is hilarious. Uh, and, uh, I mean, he, when I guess if you're Bilbo Baggins and you end up now the, the one of the most, special plate discipline hitters in the world. Uh, I don't know. It's just something. But, um, yeah, the Royals ended up with him because, to be honest, he had a back injury um, in one of his final years at Old Dominion. And the Roy- and most scouts pulled off because Old Dominion is kind of at, like, the southeastern tip of where uh, some of the mid-Atlantic scouts kind of have to operate. And uh, the Royals scout, Jim Farr, uh, loved going to Old Dominion, so he just kept going all year. And Vinny got healthy, and the Royals saw him, and they they were like, "This guy can really hit," and so we're going to draft him. So they did, and um, now the Royals are are reaping the rewards. This one, I mean, I said this earlier this week, but like for as bad and as atrocious as a lot around the Royals has been this year, it's a really positive that they draft a guy, uh, a, a guy who not only played Hobbit in the sixth grade, it played played Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> in Hobbit in the sixth grade, but also was an 11th-round pick who will contribute largely to this team, not only on the field, but in terms of the, uh, I guess, volume in the clubhouse. Yeah, and that stuff, I mean, and look, there have, there have been sort of like some, I'm not even trying to be vague on purpose, I can't remember where all of the various things have come from, but there's been some stuff about the tension in the clubhouse. You lose a bunch of games, it's going to get quiet and tense and everybody, like that's that's pretty like standard fare around baseball, I think. If you're a bad baseball team that can't get a win for a, you know, a week, um, the, the atmosphere is going to get worse. That, again, not... Not breaking any news there, um, but but specifically after I read this, I I went kind of mentally went back to a piece of audio that we played um, from whenever he was I think it was he was on the field talking to a bunch of you guys um, when he got called up and he told the story of where he was when he when he got the call and like what what I got from that that now really clicks with the theater kid thing is he's a he's a good storyteller like and, and I'm not you know not 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 necessarily a, a novel but. He gave the details about, you know, taking up the trash, which he usually doesn't do. Usually he leaves that to his roommate. That's a detail. You know this. I'm explaining this to the audience, not to you. But that's a detail that makes a story a little bit more, a little more compelling. And he, like, just decided to weave that in. I think naturally it seems like from, from what he is as a person. But um, you've, you've talked to him more than, than anybody else around here has, I'd imagine, or at least plenty. Um, is that, a, is that a, a fair assessment? Is there, is there more of that personality that we're all going to see over the next couple of years? 
Oh, 100% you'll see it. I mean, he was, yeah, you, he was telling the story. I mean, he drives a 2015 Ford Escape, and it fits him really well, and he loves the way it drives. I mean, you know, I don't know. I remember sitting with him in spring, and uh, we were talking about, like, hardcore hitting stuff. Because, like, let's make no mistake. He's funny, and he's, like, he has the personality, but he also thinks hitting in a way that, that is just, like, at kind of a different level. But I remember we're talking about hitting. We're sitting in the cages in Arizona. And somehow the conversation got on, like, the Madden franchise that he and his roommates were, were, were like, doing and, and in Arizona. And he was talking about they, they picked the Chicago Bears. He's a Jets fan, uh, and, and he'll not, he's not uh, bashful about the Jets and where they've been. Uh, but they were, they were doing this Madden franchise, and he's saying he's coaching. And he was he, – I mean, he's like, we're, we're picking the brains of the Royal Staffers to – think about drafting and developing and and all this stuff and i did like i was like i remember sitting back like how the hell did the conversation turn from hitting to talk him talking about madden like i don't but it was, it was just like a joy because sometimes as you know josh like you're talking to some of these players and you're trying to like just drag anything out of them in terms of uh i don't know but he was like gushing about uh, Michael Massey and, and his role as the scouting director for the Madden franchise, Chicago Bears. I don't know. It was it was, it was just incredible. Um, but that I mean, like that's every conversation you have with them. It, it will it will take a turn uh, that is a a joyful turn. Mm. And I mean, yeah, you could even see it. Like I remember, I don't. I mean, I don't remember it. I, thankfully, I remember it happened yesterday. But we were in the clubhouse after the game, and they were talking about NBA free agency stuff, and he was sitting at one of the tables and going back and forth and uh, James Harden was coming up and certain guys, just the guys, I mean, obviously he's a rookie. And so in, in, in like kind of the hierarchy of things, you're not going to be the most like vocal guy, but you could just tell he's like a people person. He wants to be around uh, different types of people. He wants to, to make people laugh and that's just him. And he's not going to, uh, and I and I mean he's not going to not be himself, and I think the Royals really need him to be to be himself uh, because I, I mean Clubhouse I think need need those types of personalities, he, he, especially from guys who perform. I mean we talk about it all the time. Like one of the the biggest voices in there is Salvador Perez, and he can back it up all the time because he's done what he's done and he continues mm. to do what he does. And, and same with Whit Merrifield over the years. But you need. You need those types of voices, and I think as this uh, young group like progresses, they're going to need guys to, to like Vinny to kind of pave the path in terms of uh, the environment in there. Yeah, so if you want to read more about that, go go check out the story, latest story from Alec up in The Athletic, from him being a baseball narc to turning a triple play at an age that he shouldn't have been turning a triple play in T-ball or whatever. Um, there's just a lot of good little nuggets like that. So if you're if – you're, you know, I have a hard time imagining being in this place. But if you're in a place where generally you have lost some of the joy of baseball this season because losing is a hard thing to watch a, a significant number of times, and maybe not, maybe not all the fun storylines have have uh, brightened up your day. If you, not me, but if someone else had that feeling, uh, I would, I would, I would imply that, that this story and, and Vinny Pasquantino's details here will uh, will give you something to, to be excited about. Here's here's a fun anecdote for you, Alec. This story now has the first has the first chunk of a story of yours that I have ever sent to uh, to fiance Renee, which is just the Bilbo Baggins thing because I think she'll be stunned to find out that the Royals have a theater kid playing baseball for them now. Like I just well, think the that thing- that's gonna cross the. He's a crossover star. 
And the thing that, well, thank you for sending it to her, first of all. Um, it, 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 it means a lot. Thanks. Uh, hey, thanks for, thanks for writing it to her interests, you know, like that. You, you did good work. <laughs> the thing, like, I was like, where do I fit this in here? Like, I, I mean, that's the reality. Like, obviously, I was trying to, like, set up, like, okay, he's a funny guy, because he is. Like, there's, like, different levels of funniness in baseball and with baseball <laughs> players. And, and, like, Vinny's, like, legit funny. Not, like, baseball funny. Like, he's just, like... He's funny, and yeah. so I've got this anecdote of him like wanting to be the love interest in Dracula in the school play, and I'm like, where do, do I put this in there between his t-ball days or his ability to track curveball? Like, it just <laughs> made. And my editor, my editor was like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I was like, me either. This is kind of a different one for me. So we just kind of stuck it right in there, third section or something. I don't I'm, know. I'm just made glad it. it. I'm just glad it made the cut. It just, uh, just yeah. good, good details in here. So go, go read about Vinny Pasquantino. Um, there, I mean, there are a few things past recent trade and potential future ones. I, I don't know how much you, you have to unpack around Carlos Santana. Um, they ended up finding a team that wanted to acquire him. They, they sent him and Cash to the Mariners, um, I, and I. Th- think I don't know if you'll even have this off the top of your head but I did see around the the trade some people were kicking around how often or how in often how rarely the the Royals have you know also sent money with a player to a, a team that would you know they'd help pay for their contract I think that the assumption there was that it was Mike Miner and now Carlos Santana both John Sherman um, you know ownership group there but mm-hmm. what did you what did you uh, take note of in that trade the pictures they got back any anything there that's that's half as interesting as what they might do next I think the most interesting part was how Carlos Santana went from one of the worst hitters in the game from April 7th to the end of May to uh, arguably the Royals' best hitter in June. Hmm. And the shift is attributed, from my reporting um, and who I've talked to, to Alex Zumwalt, who obviously stepped in as, as like the lead hitting guy at the big league level and realizing that, okay, Carlos it's really struggling to get fastballs. And why is that? Well, he's making contact too late uh, in terms of the ball traveling toward the plate. And so let's shift his contact point forward and apply some drills to his pregame routine to make more contact uh, earlier against fastballs. And so I think his OPS against fastballs in the, was, was in the 400s before June. It was like 993 in June. And um, so that tangible adjustment – uh, kind of unlocking Carlos Santana, I think is is the reason the Mariners and other and other teams were interested. And I think the multiple teams' interest drove up the value that ultimately uh, became the, the the two pitchers. Now, um, I don't know what I mean how how these guys will turn out. I mean, one guy's like a real sidearm, uh, interesting kind of stuff guy, but not great velo, and the other guy's a young young pitcher who uh, we'll just have to see in terms of mm-hmm. his development. But, I, I, I mean, I think that Carlos Santana uh, recouped anything is, is, uh, is a win, obviously, for the Royals, but even more so probably for Alex Zumwalt and, and the hitting staff at the big level. And it's not surprising because, I mean, these guys uh, have, have really made an impact in the, in the organization on the hitting side since 2019 um, in a way that, that, I mean, there have continuously been tangible results, and I think that's what you want to see. That's what we continue to see. Um, Kyle Isbell's made some adjustments and done some stuff in the past couple uh, nights 
at the plate. And so I, I just think, like, you can see that the Royals um, are in pretty good hands right now on the hitting side with what Alex Zumwalt, um has brought. Now, I don't – I mean, we'll see if, if, if he stays in that role or how they'll approach that long term. But um, I just think it – like, it's very important to me to highlight that, like, Carlos yeah. Santana – in May and at the end of May, it was hard for I think a lot of people just imagine. I mean, I scout like this is not. I don't, I don't even know why they're still. I, I'm still rolling with this, but to their credit, they they did, and uh, and and acquired two pitchers from it. The the Zoom alt discussions that I've been anywhere around have have all sounded pretty similar, which gen- generally has included people going out of their way to highlight what he has done in a positive sense and a in a baseball blink of an eye like it, it just you know this this was a relatively recent adjustment we've we've now seen like you said i mean the the the, the changes that were brought there for santana with with the entire lineup has has been able to do and not everyone you know mj melendez had a what a down month when you want to give it um he's also brand spanking new <laughs> so like that that, <laughs> yeah. that could that could have happened at any point in a guy's first professional season i'm not holding i'm not holding too tightly onto that one um but whenever you whenever you look at at, at him in particular with zumalt in particular what what is the organizational impact you say i mean you you mentioned that you're not even sure what what the long-term plan with him is going to be but i he, he is quickly becoming one of the guys who i i feel like maybe maybe a majority of royals fans still do not know the name of but th- that will or at least should change pretty soon yeah it's so fascinating right because like when it when uh <laughs> when like these coaches when things aren't going well, like everybody knows the name, yes. but it's like when when things are like it's like yeah. I mean, I've tr- I've said the names Alex Zumwalt, Drew Saylor, and Keone Duren probably seven billion times over the past three years to try to uh, kind of impress upon people what they have done on the hitting development side because mm-hmm. like the industry has talked about it, the industry has taken note of it, and I think like what what kind of separates. Alex Zumwalt is, I mean, just, he, he's just such a relational person. Um, he, he, I mean, he's very tied with the front office. He, he, he played in Atlanta and, and got to know a lot of guys then, but he was a scout kind of during the World Series runs, an advanced scout kind of picking up certain tendencies of other players. And then uh, in 2019, when they needed somebody to kind of spearhead the hitting efforts, they, they, they placed him in charge of it all. And um, I mean, he got on the phone with a lot of people, George Brett, Chipper Jones, and certain people, and kind of with the help of, of again, Drew Saylor and Keone Duran and Mike Tozar, they, they kind of revamped the whole thing. And um, he just has an ability to, to connect with players. I mean, guys like Bobby Witt Jr. and, and, and guys like Vinny Pasquantino. And um, I think that has kind of – I mean, when you have – in that role, I mean, obviously these guys are big league hitters for a reason. So they, 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 I mean, they can evaluate themselves. But if you have um, a guy you trust to the level that, that some of these players trust Alex Zumwalt, I think you can create actionable change much quicker. And, um, and so I just, I think that's what, what he's been able to do. And like I say, the value is tough to gauge because, I mean, it's tough. Like, are you, you want to get, uh, you want, to be able to kind of, um, I guess, like have someone with with keen eyes on the big league club every single day, is that more valuable than the hundred or so hitters in the system that you want to try to keep tabs on and develop? It's just kind of a difficult 
thing to, um, I don't know, think about like where his impact is fit most. Uh, I think preferably you'd be able to like cross the, the, the chasm between both and, and uh, move around. But if the relationships are at such a level at which it, it's, it's fit for him to be there, I think it's, it's hard to imagine um, him moving. But he's also got five young kids and, uh, I don't know, life things, I'm sure, play a role. So we'll see. But it's, it's just been apparent since 2019 that he's had a plan and, and a way of looking at hitting and an ability to kind of integrate some of the analytical stuff. And, um, and I think all of that combined with his ability to, to relate to players, is it, it just it stood out. If it wasn't nearing trade season, I would take the very easy pivot over to the pitching side of things because you wrote about that recently and there's some like, you know, figuring out what where things have gone exactly wrong, but I feel like it would just end up in a place we're talking about coaching changes again. I don't even I'm kind of bored by that at this point to be honest. Um and so I would rather ask you one thing that is really frustrating to me that I I think that there's probably an aspect of this that maybe I'm not being fair enough to. So Whenever you see or or you yourself, I guess, are you know one of the ones hearing things about uh, Whit Merrifield, like th- th- there are teams that you know at some point had been interested. You get a really brutal stretch, and now we're at this point where, depending on when you open your Twitter timeline, you might find trade Wit, bench Wit, give him his day off, any of any variety of all of those things. Um, I'll, I'll save I'll save my take for after your answer so I can, you know, really take your info in. But when, when should the Royals have traded with Merrifield? Um, or when should they? Man. No. I've implied, I've implied, I've implied that that was in the past. <laughs> no, it should, definitely in the past. I mean, he's now, I believe, 32. Um, and, and the production, though, I mean, his production has dipped, but it's not as if, I mean, it's not as if, it's like some people have highlighted to me like his exit velocities and certain stuff, but he's never been a guy who's just ripped the cover off the ball. He just has a really good, uh, like a really good hand-eye coordination back the ball to be able to flick pitches wherever. And also he's now been a part of, I think this is like the fifth losing, losing season and, and he's just a really competitive guy. So it's tough to gauge. Now back to your question, when should they have traded him? Um, I mean, I don't know. I started covering the team in 2019, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember like the the point at which it seemed really I, I don't know like possible. It was the winter of 2019. I remember the winter meetings in San Diego, um, and I'm not like reporting that there were. I just remember yeah, yeah. rumors at that time and what he'd done. I think he was an All Star that year, mm-hmm. and, and what he'd done at that time. It just it seemed like, okay, he's 29 or, or 30 and um, still kind of in his prime. And um, I know offers had existed before that point. And so I just – I think – I don't know. It's always difficult in this situation because the, the team is trying to gauge its next contention window. And if they think they're close, then you obviously and – and you look at how it lines up with certain guys' contracts, then, then you hold on. Um, but I, I also always say this. Like what? It, when I'm evaluating whether a team trades a player or not, what is the most important bit of context to that question? It's what the other teams are offering. Yep. And, sure. and often, that's the one thing we don't know and rarely ever get to know. Yep. And so, for as much as people criticize certain trades or, or lack of trades, they do it without the most important bit of context. And so, again, like criticism would never tell anybody not to criticize. It's, 
anybody has their right to do it. But, um, like, tonight, I mean, it's just the reality is we just don't have all the, the probably the most integral piece of information to be able to evaluate whether uh, that was the right decision or not. I don't know if that's, yeah. like, somewhat skirting around your question. No. But I just think multiple years ago was probably the, the ideal situation. Easy to say in hindsight. But um, I think if, if their contingent window was always going to be 2022, 2020, well, it's not 2022. But mm-hmm. if they thought it was 2022, 23, 24, um, and, and the offer was good in 2019, uh, I think that um, I think it could have it, it, it could have made sense. And I think I don't know. I haven't had this strict converse, this, this exact conversation with staffers with the team recently, but I think they, they might even admit it as well. Um, just looking at the way this year's played out. Well, so yeah, because yeah, I think what you just, you just touched on a a totally fair thing to keep in mind, and then also the exact thing that does have me like just wanting to rip my hair out. Because you're right, if if the best offer for Whit Merrifield in 2019 was a ham sandwich, that would have been the wrong time to trade Whit, Whit Merrifield. He brought more value back <laughs> yeah. to your franchise than that by being on the team. That's that is that is totally fair, and we don't know that, and we have the benefit of hindsight. But also, whenever you look at your future and you say, hey, we, we still think, Whit Merrifield's 33, basically 33 and a half right now. And if you say, we think that a 33-year-old Whit Merrifield or a 32 or a 31 or a 30-year-old Whit Merrifield is going to play playoff baseball for us, then yeah, you, you, know, you don't, you don't want to kick your, your contention window down the road by, by a few more years because you've made that, that, that bet on yourself. But also, then this is the consequence of being wrong about when you're contending. And for me, that that is the thing that for literally as long as I have been on this radio station, I have been so confused by from the Royals where their their 500 teams were oh so close to being World Series contending teams. And then their truly abysmal teams were oh just, you know, we're we're so close to getting back to 500. And now we're here and and it feels like the shine of of that delusion is, is largely gone, at least for this season. And I, I just don't feel like I can just let that one slide because because you are you are damaging your future by believing in a, in a present that was not reality at that point. So that's I, but again, I don't want to be completely unfair in that. But I'm also left very frustrated because the, the idea that the Royals overvalued their own present and weren't transactional enough is is something that I have been able to point to consistently for, you know, the last half decade or whatever. And, I mean, look, all you have to do is look within the division at Cleveland. I mean, yes, they've, they've had two walk-offs in, in straight days, so it's, it's easy to kind of point. But, I mean, for, for, forever this team has had studs who you might think would be integral to your next contending team. I, I, we could go on. C.C. Sabathia, Cliff Lee, Victor Martinez, Mike Clevenger, Trevor Bauer. I mean, these guys were, were – I mean, Corey Kluber were studs. And yet, even as they, they probably hoped at, at, at contending in those years they traded them, they traded them to retool, replenish, keep pushing forward, multiply. I mean, that, the reality, and, and maybe it's unfortunate or not, but the reality is with small markets, it's, just, it's kind of the way you have to do it. Because yeah. um, to just rely on homegrown talent in the draft and the international market uh, is really, really difficult uh, just because it's, it's just – I mean, you're 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 betting on guys uh, 16 to to 21 years old, and that is a that's a really tough, uh, really tough bet to make. So yeah, it it is. I mean, I don't know. I've I've said it and thought about it. I think it's one of those things. Whether this 
uh, where this this I mean these next couple of years pan out or don't, I think the holding on to guys like Win Merrifield will be something that we will look back on for for better or worse mm-hmm. and and um, talk about. I think. Uh, I'm not. I'm not intentionally tipping my hand by segueing from that to this. But but what do you think the Royals' plan is with Andrew Benatendi right now? Trade him. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's he's gone at the end of the year. He's going to be a free agent. He's still really young, and he's a really good hitter. And so he'll have a lot of value in free agency. So um, you know, I I don't know if they'll trade him uh, sooner or later in terms of, but, but I think just his production as a left-handed bat and, and a, a capable left fielder, um, means they'll trade him. And I think, I mean, look, we, we talked about, I've, I've talked about this with multiple people, but you package like a guy like Andrew Benatendi with the Scott Barlow. I think you're mm-hmm. start talking about a really, really solid return package. I'm actually did something with our Brewers writer, today about um, just a package for Andrew Benatendi. I think that'll run tomorrow, but we just kind of kicked around the thought. And, and I, I mean, look, like I think as valuable as Benatendi is, what Michael A. Taylor's done this year uh, is, is, is incredibly valuable, would be incredibly valuable to a contending team as well. So there, there's, I mean, they have a lot of options here to trade, which is uh, positive. Now, it's a, again, like, until the trades occur or don't, uh, I mean, it, it, it kind of will um, guide, I think, everybody to the types of returns that, um, that that exist for these types of players with these types of control. Alec, I appreciate you making some time for us here on an off day. I know this is also your off day, and so I don't know what you've done. Just Just make sure you call your mom tonight, okay? <laughs> I actually need to do that. I was about to go to Chick-fil-A. Uh, and and so yeah, I mean, really culinary, um, really. Uh, all, I don't even know what I'm saying. Hey man, uh, listen. If you're if all you can do right now, sandwich wise, is go to drive-throughs. I, I actually have a book at home. Whenever I get back, I can send you a couple recipes. I got like 300 <laughs> to choose from. Have you made any yet? I haven't. I have not. It's it's really been a. I, I've really been ashamed of myself, but I I have not. I need to plan it out to you know get the appropriate groceries and everything. So I, I gotta. I'll I'll pick some like this weekend. That these are gonna be my. These are gonna be my first ones to try. Don't feel pressured. Like, I'm not trying to pressure you. No, I love sandwiches. You, you this sandwich? isn't. Can, okay. No. Okay. <laughs> this is not. I don't feel bullied to eat. I've never in my life have I felt bullied to eat a sandwich. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, okay. Well, I'll call my mom. I, I, I definitely will, um, and I'll let her know that you are planning to uh, to put together an apricot chutney turkey on uh, on rye. I'm a big um, sourdough guy. So I think I'm going to see if I can find some sourdough based ones in yeah, there. I lo- yeah, love some. Sourdough. I'm sure. There's like 300. Yeah. Be okay. It would be wild if if she <laughs> 300 sandwich recipes and <laughs> they were all on pumpernickel. It's like, wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> The Pumpernickel book. Your mom uh, is bought yeah. and paid for by Big Pumpernickel. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Done with this Pumpernickel propaganda. Uh, Hold oh on. Man. Hold on. Whenever you call your mom, just suggest, just just say, hey, mom, book title ideal, idea, Pumpernickel propaganda. It just, it it rolls off the tongue. And just see if she wants to do anything with that. Yeah, that's spectacular. That's yeah. really good. All right, um, t- all right. Look, man, just get your appetite back and, and, and your, how many games have the Royals played right now? Um, not enough. Okay. 74, maybe? All right. Well, um, I was going to say that, you know, you're about halfway there. That's not quite true, but um, don't think about that. Don't think about that. Take it one, take it one day at a time, one game at a time, and uh, we'll, we'll chat again soon.
No doubt. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing about your sandwich experience. I look forward to making and eating my sandwich experience. Talk to you later. (laughs) Bye. Alec Lewis of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Alec underscore Lewis. Um, you can also, hold on, you can, I should have checked this earlier. You can follow his mom on Twitter at, it's, I think it's just, yeah, just at Allison Lewis, one L in Allison, two if you count the L in Allison and the L in Lewis. I don't want to confuse anybody, but I would say follow Alec if you'd like, but um, certainly want to follow his mom for some great cooking tips. Also, she has really strong opinions on trading with Merrifield. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports. You know uh, Cal makes him Brad call him dad? Can't call him coach. Really? He makes him call him dad in practice. That's kind of bleeped up. That is, I don't like that. That's kind of weird. With Joshua Briscoe. Like, could I you don't... imagine Tyler Self calling Bill dad in practice? No. I know plenty of KU fans that call yeah. him daddy, but that's different. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks again to Alec Lewis of The Athletic for joining us. Always a, a joy to talk to Alec. And um, also uh, good to learn about Vinny Pasquantino's acting career. I don't think I can properly explain how hilarious that is to me and how happy it makes me. So um, it's really cool. And again, like we we've talked about this before. Alec is really good at covering the Royals, right? Mm-hmm. Just like from a day to day beat beat writer stuff. The features he writes, though, like on uh, like on these players and stuff, and especially a lot of times the minor league players, like going to their homes, right? Going to whatever small town they're playing baseball in. Fantastic at that. Yeah, absolutely. That, like that's where he shines. Um, we, we will talk more Royals in a little bit. David Lesky of Inside the Crown will join us in 15 minutes. Um, and I want to talk to him about some of the mechanics of Pasquantino, and, and we'll talk about the pitching more with him probably as well, trade stuff, all of that. Um, but as we mentioned during the first hour of the show, uh, along with all of the fun NBA stuff, we, we, we lean there because I'm a Suns fan, Rooney's a Nuggets fan. It's been a fun NBA day. It's fun. But the, the news that is going to have ripple effects through college football is also truly massive. USC and UCLA are officially moving to the Big Ten. Um, They will begin playing in the Big Ten in 2024. Obviously, they're in the Pac-12 right now. Um, Pac is short for Pacific. Um, Yeah, the the C's in those are are short for, um, that's, that's California. You got Los Angeles, Southern is, California. Is the uh, the uh, the G in Big Tens that is that that's global, right? It well, more and more. It actually that's actually yeah. as good of a as good of a joke as I was going to get because I really couldn't come up with one. Uh, it's called the Big Ten because they've got teams in ten different time zones now. You might say, Josh, there aren't ten different time zones in America, and I say ten different time zones period. Eventually, NFL Europe is going to come back, and it's just going to be the Big Ten. College football is a thing in Japan. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They play college football. I didn't know that at all. The uh, I followed the Reddit uh, college football account, and every now and then they'll post out, whenever they're playing, scores and links. You can watch them live. You can stream them if you want. Alright, let me just Google that so I can like watch that during a break or something. You said Japan? Yes. I I would like to see that. Okay, interesting. I had no idea. I'll look into that later. That seems fun. 
Um, but for the uh, for the for the, um, uh, the 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 landlocked team, not even landlocked because you know Hawaii is a powerhouse. But for the uh, the American, the domestic college football, this is not only like two. This isn't just two teams making a big move. In some ways, to me. And this this can't totally be true because of the order the dominoes are falling. But this feels more impactful than Texas and OU leaving for the SEC. In in this way, I, if you're thinking about you know that you know that meme where one little domino falls and it knocks over increasingly larger and larger dominoes. You had you know college realignment that started years ago and that moved a domino or two. Texas and OU falling is a big domino and that like that. The, the repercussions of that, huge for, of course, the Big 12, the SEC, those teams, etc. But today, to me at least, felt like the next domino falling, an even bigger one, falling on top of a conference. Even more so. The Big 12, to their credit, at least put up the front of... We had a plan. We're fine. We're adding some teams here. We're gonna we're gonna make this work. And then as long as there, there's still probably gonna be an odd conference out, it, like it could have been the Big Twelve, but the the Pac-12 here now seems like it is about to be ransacked, for lack of a better term. It seems like Oregon and Washington are may, maybe they just try to throw a dart over to the Big Ten and say, hey, we're over here also. Can we come play football with you guys? And the rest of the conference is going to probably end up having to do something as a an ugly duckling sort of conference, as you will, well, if there, you will. You know, the reports that the Big 12 is obviously, you might be interested in Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, which from a Big 12 perspective makes makes sense. They almost have to. Yeah. Because what what it feels like now is happening is is that, again, you ever, did you ever play those, those .io games? You can play them in your browser and stuff. There was one in particular... Mm-hmm. I'm sure it still exists, um, but it's you're you're just a big. You're, well, you start off as a little dot, and you go around your computer screen. You eat little dots. You get bigger as you go. Yeah. Other other players are theoretically controlling other kind, increasingly growing dots. A much more advanced version of snake, essentially. It's, it's a snake, snake concept, snake but you're function, you're a growing circle. Yes. Well, then you start interacting with other other people playing. And if you're a bigger if you're a bigger orb than they are, you can eat them and then grow their size, and you can continue to grow and and, and play along the game. It seems like there's been little little dots going here and there, but right now it feels like the Pac-12 is about to get sucked up by by somebody else. And obviously, the SEC is in is still. I, I think this still is, is true, even with what the Big Ten got accomplished today. The SEC is is the, the the biggest dot on the map. The Big Ten is clearly announcing itself as next up. And then if you are any of these other conferences that, that at least as of this moment, want to have an argument for being a football conference that matters, it it seems like it's about to get it's about to get bloody. Yeah, you you I think, you know, and, and this is I think essentially saying the same thing, maybe slightly different. I, like I put both the SEC and the Big Ten kind of in their own tier. Yes, I think they absolutely. Clearly separate yes, but I also think, I think it's SEC, Big Ten, but yeah, tier but change. I clearly yes. think the SEC is no at question. the top of that tier. Big Ten, I wouldn't. Say, I don't. I don't know if the Big Ten is that far behind, but I. I also don't think it's a gap they can ever fully make up because it's just. It's it's the SEC, right? And yeah. Like, it, it, like I, the saying is more. the saying is a joke. Oh. It's funny. Yeah. But there is some truth behind it, and part of that is just because it just costs more. It just pays more. Yeah. yeah. They're just it, it, it. There is a there's an insanity to it all down there. Yeah. And you know it, it's 
there there was there's something about while I was I was obviously surprised that Oklahoma and Texas were leaving for the SEC mm-hmm. or at least when it happened. Sure. Like it also all kind of always felt inevitable, I guess. And to the Big 12's credit, because I always just kind of assumed the Big 12 would fold. And yes, I, I, you know what? It seemed like they were going to be the ones that got picked yeah. off first. Absolutely. And they added new teams, and something tells me, you know, in terms of any sort of alliance or conferences coming together, just in merging, I feel pretty confident the Big 12 is going to be the one in charge because they just hired a commissioner. And I think that guy probably has at least some sense of. The Big 12 is going to be a thing. Mm. We're not going to be absolved into another thing, and now I'm out of a job because the commi- you know, the, uh, there's no longer a, co- a conference to be a commissioner of. Could be wrong. It seems – I feel pretty confident about that. And some of this is – and, you know, and maybe, right, again, I thought the Big 12 was going to be the one to fold. They had teams. They survive. Maybe the Pac-12 in the next we see over the next two or three days is able to pull off the same thing. I don't fully know what those teams are. Right. Now, what I will say is, you know what the Big Ten did? I, like the, the the geographical areas has always been kind of a fake thing to begin with. Yeah, but there's been a little bit of of staying roughly in the same <laughs> sure. spot with with some few exceptions. <laughs> the Big Ten said, the Big Ten F is, it." The Big Ten has completely blown that door open. That's true. You're right. No, good point. No conference has to hide behind this. Yeah, it, the, the Big Ten is quite literally across the entire nation of the country. Right. And like, if I'm the SEC. I'm reaching out to Oregon and Washington. I'm reaching out to Stanford. I'm reaching out. I mean, obviously, the ACC schools, it's it's close enough to their region, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know what I mean? Like Clemson and North Carolina aren't closer, really Closer out than of, California. Yes. Aren't really out. So if they add them, they're not really expanding region-wise. But if I'm the SEC, that's my move now. The yeah. Big Ten wants to spread across the country. I'm spreading across the country. Yeah. And, and it seems like that's where it's going. Somebody tweeted out that it feels like there's about to be an ESPN conference and a Fox conference. Somebody had something along That'd the lines. It would be. Somebody had something along the lines of, you know, the 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 Pac-12. And again, it won't go quite this simply, I don't think. But where the Pac-12 is eventually the, the Big Ten West. And then you have the Big Ten East. And then you have a conference championship game between Zombie Pac-12 and, and the original, more original Big Ten. I, I don't know. And it should be noted, uh, a lot of times, I think you, you'll agree with this, when we say a conference folding, it's not so much that the conference doesn't exist. It's just, oh, yeah. they, it's just the, the, the schools they have replaced them with. It's right. It'd basically be the Mountain West teams moving to the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 is the Pac-12 by name. You, but like, it, it, means, it means, it means we, relegated out of the Power yes, Five. You are no longer the conference that we all thought. You may re- yes. you may have the name but basically every school is gone oh yeah no, right? no if 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 the if it's the, the big 12 with Iowa State K-State and Texas Tech and then a bunch of AAC schools and all, right and now all of these now all of these conferences with numbers in their name don't have the right number the no, uh, no, right no. number of teams throw, the branding got, the yeah. branding is going to stick around because there's value to being the Big 10 the Big 12 the SEC the the, the Pac 12 whatever um how silly is the Pac 12 feel for like being like you know what we're going to we're going to do we're going to redo our branding we used to be the Pac 10 we used to be the Pac 10 we're going to add two teams we're going to be the Pac 12 because we have two teams now we got to go back to Pac 10 <laughs> right now they're and just two weeks later we're the Pac 6 i think they're and then we're back up to the Pac 9 how many teams are currently in the Pac 12 10 right because uh, they added Utah and Colorado get to 12. Now they're out UCLA and USC. So back to 10. I mean, technically it's still 12, but you know, they're going to 10. Uh, I guess that's right. It's wild, man. It's the Pac-6, and then they get up to the Pac-9, and then maybe the Pac-6-9. Who, who can say? That'd be pretty nice. 
it's wild times, and we'll see where that all ends up. But yeah, we're, the, the Power Five is going to be less of a Power Five. It's going to be a Power Two or Three, and we'll yeah. see where that leads you. A you know what? I'd like to lead you like a mini Power Three. The Big Ten, SEC, and then just some third conference that is technically in there. They're part of the alliance that isn't really that everybody just knows. They're just here. Rudy, that's such a good idea. I'd love to give you an award for it. Perhaps an honorary SB, which you can vote for right now at 810WHB.com. And our honorary SB coverage here on Sports Radio 810WHB is brought to you by Hen House, Wholesale Batteries, Polymagic, Buck Roofing, Aminis, Xfinity Sports, and many more. Xfinity Sports Zone, excuse me. Uh, and uh, also our friends at Whataburger. Lots of great sponsors helping us get these honorary SBs going. If you'd like to vote on them, you can do so at 810WHB.com. We'll talk some baseball with David Lesky next.